This is the Growing Eternity Podcast with Mara and Jim, where we talk about the Judeo-Christian mystic traditions of spending time with God in eternity, interpreting dreams, and meeting anonymously. We have reformatted these traditions as modern practices grounded both in sacred scripture and behavioral science. Join us as we talk about Two Minutes in Eternity, Dreaming Once, Interpreting Twice, and Growing Eternity Anonymously. Hey, Mara. Hey, Jim. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good, too. It's another rainy day today in New England. Ah, that's about, well, it's overcast here, but it's probably about 78 degrees here in the mountains of Western Virginia. The apple and cherry trees, and I guess pear trees are all in blossom. Ooh, that's nice. Well, I have lots of buds. I have, uh, since we're on the cusp of May, uh, my lilac tree is just ready to explode on Saturday. I think it's going to be on schedule. I just planted tulips that are beautiful. So I'm okay with the, I'm okay with the rain as long as, the sun is going to come out tomorrow, and I think it might, <laughs> says Annie. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, so we were watching some news today, and nationally, or, you know, from down south all the way up to just about an hour from us, it was going to be sunny, and they were singing the praises of the weatherman, and we're like, mm, but it's okay. It'll come. That's the cost of living in New England. I know. You get spring a couple weeks later. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's been some some mid-April weather that has been like 90. We've had the anomaly too, but anyway, yeah, you're right. It's it's a you good cost. To, yeah. yeah. Anybody teases you in April for having warmer weather, you need to call them back in August. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, who? Like what part of the I, I don't know. Everybody's saying they got better weather. Wyoming, probably. Yeah. Or the Dakotas. Yeah. Or anywhere in Oregon. Or anywhere between uh, New York and uh, Georgia, I guess. Okay. And California. Well, and Washington <laughs> State, never in between. Right. <laughs> People from Maine make fun of your weather. You know, or Seattle, you know. Yeah. That's true. Just the rest, that's... Just the rest of the country. Yes. Well, we can check the weather report off our, <laughs> our to-do list for today. We have it. That is an unofficial topic that's on all of our... Uh... <laughs> it's weather and food and sometimes... <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are the constants, the important things. It's just to prove we're real people and this conversation isn't generated. To, you know... <laughs> we are not robots. Yeah. What is it? What did you know? Check all the boxes that are traffic lights or <laughs> yeah. yes, click on all the pictures that have taxis. cars in them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never know if I'm doing it right. Sometimes I'm like, well, am I just not seeing? Is there a taxi in this picture? But it's a trick question. It's like around the corner. I always get nervous about that. Well, know. and if you 
if you if you read up an AI, you know the one thing AI could do is actually all those tests because that's you know um, they train AI to recognize vehicles and traffic lights and stuff. So um, it. it <laughs> um, I remember. Um, let's see. It was the the original um, Red Dawn movie that came out in the eighties that had like everybody in it. You know, like uh, Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze and and. Uh, uh, I think uh, Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen and mm. uh, there's just tons and tons of people in, in Red Dawn. Um, and at one point, this plane crashes and they're not sure if just because the, the, the whole the stipulation in the 80s was it, for Red Dawn was that, uh, that that basically the Soviet Union had declared war in America and had taken over the country. And in this town in Michigan, I think, where this takes place, these high schoolers, um, it, it was particularly taken over by, you know, I think by 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 cuba um and anyway they see plane fight and, and a parachute guy comes down and they want to know if he's american so they ask him um what the capital of texas is and he says houston and they know he's an american because he got the answer wrong um you know the the premise would be that you know if he was really he was if he was a russian he would if he would have studied and know that the capital of texas is austin um yeah. So just the thing is, is in the future, if they want to know if you're a robot or not, they'll ask you questions. And if you get them wrong, they'll know you're human. Um, wow. Get them wrong. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> a long premise to, to address the, like, you know, where they show you a bunch of letters that are, are fuzzy and you can't tell what's written. You're supposed to write down the oh, real letters. Yeah. I hate that. I yeah. just had in to do future, one today. Yeah. They're slanty. They don't look like letters. I'm like, is that an O or is that a, I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, In the I, future, only robots will get the answers right. You know, it, it's getting it wrong will prove that you're human. That, I never knew that. That makes total sense, but it's really annoying. And I wish they would stop doing that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I had a dream once where I was um, in a tent meeting speaking and a bunch of military people uh, picked me up. You know, they, they said, hey, you have to come with us. And I went and I went into this room and I was interviewed by a computer. It asked me a bunch of questions. I think about, I don't know, dreams and visions I was having or about the future. Um, and then they took me back to the meeting. Um, and I was in a small group meeting in New Jersey. Someone asked me, because I was doing lots of dream interpretation. Hey, Jim, is there, are the dreams you can't interpret? Yeah, it's like I have this dream. I can't figure out what it means. And I told them this dream. And as soon as I said it, I knew I went, why I couldn't interpret it. It's like, oh, that's not a dream. That's a vision of <laughs> something that I think wow. at one point that will happen at one point. It was, it was completely, I think, literal. Um, Whoa. Hmm. That's very cool. Hmm. Hmm. Hey, you, um, I remember, hey, I haven't talked to you for two weeks. And I it's think that weeks. there was, yeah. yeah, I think there was a question that you wanted to address and I didn't write it down and you remember what it was? About two minutes. No. <laughs> That's okay. Two minutes? Yeah. Well, let's That's talk right. about the two minutes and then, then maybe it'll we come back to do us. that. Sure. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Oh, yeah. Well, how was your week? Or I guess even two weeks doing the two minutes. Uh, well, my do you want me to do two weeks worth or just a week worth? Well, <laughs> you, you, you could hi <laughs> highlight the, yeah, yeah, a week's worth, you know. I think we'll do the week's worth. But first time, and I'm not putting a, I'm not doing anything like da da da, but I was surprised. I did it every day this week. I was, 
like, wow, I don't know what happens. But usually it's a Saturday or Sunday gets dropped or both, but I was able to do that. So I have some things to tell you. So on Friday, um, I heard Titus 1.8, and then I put again because it, it, I think I've gotten that before. But when I was sitting down, I immediately saw hands with candles. Um, and I try to take, I try to um, draw it. I'm not very good at illustrating or anything like that. But it was, it was a bunch of hands, and it was like ripples of hands with candles growing out, kind of like flowers. Um, and that is what I saw then. On Saturday, um, let's see. I heard him asking um, when contentment is how I feel, what do I want? What do I need? Um, and it's because I, I was having a really good day <laughs> Saturday. Um, it was just one of those like holiday kind of feel days. Um, and I, I just was like, I, I just heard when you're content, you know, how, what is it that I want? What do I need? And I wrote to enjoy you, Lord. I just felt like it was about relationship with him, enjoying him, no inhibitions, being honest, being raw, um, to be able to trust him, to be vulnerable, no embarrassment in the process of that. So that's what that was on Saturday. And on Sunday, um, I just felt like doing the Lord's Prayer and to pray as Jesus prayed. And I stopped at each word and reflected on that. And um, that was that was on Sunday. And on Monday, I saw myself kneeling. I was by a garden. I had a green folder in my hand. Um, and I was kind of curious about that because, you know, I'm an office person by day. Um, and I'm not much of a gardener, although I like digging in the dirt and I like planting things. Um, but as soon as I saw the green folder in my hand, I saw a green watering can and I heard first Timothy, first uh, Timothy three. Um, and on Tuesday, I was, oh, okay. I was looking out the window and I have this beautiful pink tree. It's gorgeous right now. It's, it's kind of waning now, but at this time it was, like at its peak. Um, and as I was seeing it from overhead, because I can see it from my window, um, I was underneath the tree with Jesus uh, and he was placing a crown of pink flowers on my head. And I just felt, I actually have an art print of a little boy giving this little girl a crown. Um, and it's one of my favorite paintings, but it, it didn't even occur to me until after the two minutes was up that I was like, oh, it's very much like that. Um, and I felt like he was just saying, I like you, you know, basically. So that was um, really good because I want to be liked by him. On Wednesday, my question, what do I need from heaven? And it was love. I needed I, not, not just that I needed love from heaven, but that I needed it to be able to relay it back to a crazy world when 
you know, I'm dealing with people that I don't really like or um, that, that I struggle, you know, with just the world has gone nuts right now. And so I just felt like I needed to project love. I needed to be filled with it so that I could give it back. Um, and then I heard you're going to watch it grow. So I thought that was hopeful. I really need to do that. That was yesterday. And then today was not necessarily two minutes because I got home late um, in time for this. But I actually had something because all day today at my work, um, in and out of the day, I kept smelling a pipe and not just any pipe smell, but it was my dad's pipe. And I, at first I was like looking around um, and I was alone in the office, except I had two technicians that were in the lab, um, but we don't allow pipe smoking in the office. Um, it wasn't on me. It wasn't, it was in and out in pockets. And so after hours and hours of smelling it and then not smelling it, and then again, I would smell it. I was like, this is a, this is a company that my dad founded. Um, and so I just, I just kept thinking that father God, this is his business. Um, and that, that somehow he was near and that, um, I just wanted to, I wanted to be taking in what he was, what he, he was around. So, um, anyway, so that was, that was my week. So did you look up for Timothy three? I did. Um, and why well, did you, you're going to make I, it easier? Gonna... No. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. Well, let me say it's really interesting, right? Because because you you work at this company your dad founded, right? Right. Um, I, I said you, you do administrative work, right? I do. Right. That would maybe classically use folders, or that maybe you probably still use folders because you, you I think you do certification paperwork. We do. Yeah. All right. All right. Yes. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so, because First Timothy three is the saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to be to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. I just think it's really office administrators, they oversee the office. Mm. Um, and therefore overseer must be above reproach, right? Uh, it goes on to talk about being a husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, uh, must manage his own household well with all dignity, right? And so you could think, hey, this you know, Paul's talking about, hey, these are overseers he's appointing or these elders or whatever. But it's really interesting that, you know, um, that I think this is about you and the green folder because it's, you know, you're trustworthy, you know, um, you know, your rough approach, you know, if, if you mishandled you know, your administrative work, it, it would be bad for the company. It probably mm -hmm. the, the company your dad founded might not still around if you didn't if you didn't do a good job of right. not, you know overseeing the office, you know, administrating the office and, and being, you know, um, but these are all things that are, you know, I think, you know, it's not that you, <laughs> let's say this, it's not that you don't drink alcohol, but, but in general, you know, you're sober minded, you're self-control, you're respectable, you're, you're definitely hospitable. Um, you're able to teach things you understand, right. Um, you're gentle, you're not violent, you know, you're not particularly quarrelsome. You're, you're not, you know, you're, I, I, you know, it's not that you don't like money, but you don't seem to be a lover of money. I, I, this seems to be very much about you. Wow. Um, just really interesting that you were talking about, yeah. you, you know, 
things with your father's, you know, the company that your father founded that you work at, that you administrate the office. And here, this is with the green folder, you got first Timothy three, that's about the overseer, you know, the office overseer, or I would say, you know, your job is the overseer of the office. Um, right. It's just really interesting. Yeah. Um, it is really interesting. And, you know, it's funny because I, I, I've said it before every, you know, day by day, I don't notice a theme, but now that I'm looking at my, my calendar and seeing on Monday, that's what that was. And today being Thursday, I'm smelling pipe all day at work. So, and I put my dad's business and I know that's a metaphor for, for God. So um, that is very powerful. Yeah. I just, I just was, know. Oh, sorry. Go no, go ahead. I was just saying, you know, in life, the people that seem to get the recognition are the um, you know, charismatic leaders, you know, or even the the idea people, or the, the people. But the reality is, is like what you do is much more akin to this, you know, the office of overseer. It's the people that through integrity and good character and kindness and gentleness and diligence, you know, probably keep almost all of the world running when it's running well. Um, this is what Joseph did in Egypt, but it, it's what. I don't know any company that's a great place to work that runs well. And it isn't, you know, kind of riddled with corruption and competence is because there's, you know, there's, there's someone overseeing the details. Um, and so I, I just, I don't know. I think that's that yeah, think... super encouraging. Oh my gosh. I can't even tell you. And I, you know, <clears throat> there was a time where April, we're at the end of April. Um, probably a couple of years, I've been really, I've been struggling with advocating for myself at my work. And I finally advocated for myself in a way that actually produced something um, really good um, for my life for right now. And um, I was confident about it. And I kept, I kept seeing the way that it was going to be handled. But the day before I approached um, my, my boss, I chickened out and um, I, I just, I was super nervous. And I, I, I said to my best friend, I said, I feel stuck. I feel like I can't speak up for myself. I hate this feeling. Um, and when I spoke to my husband about it, he said, you know, if you don't have peace about it, don't, don't do anything right now. Just wait. And so I decided to to do that, but I felt like time was of the essence too, because there was there, there was a timing factor to it that I felt I needed to kind of to do it. And um, so the next day, which was um, last Friday or two weeks ago Friday, um, I just kept seeing the way it was going to be, and it was kind of like, and this happens a lot where I see it and I know it at the same time. I don't have to go over it, you know, like. And then this, and then this, it's not long and laborious. It was like, I saw it. Anyway, I, I approached him and it was easy and it was, it, it worked. <laughs> you know, he was agreeable. He wasn't um, disagreeable to it. And so um, my, my hours are changing. Um, and and uh, I, I just, I'm stunned. So I, I kept saying to my husband, I can't, I can't believe I'm finally on the other side where I've dreamt of this for a really long time. Um, so it, it just made me wonder, smelling my dad's pipe today, and then, you know, um, just seeing that that whole thing on Monday with the, the note, the, the um, 
the folder and yeah. the watering can up. That was just confirmation that this is this is good. Cool. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, I just yeah, it's good because often like yeah, you're getting things you don't necessarily know. You know, like what you're seeing. Right. Especially, I think when God's saying, because I think that the, the, I, I would think that the, the green and for the folder has to do with growth. Um, so it's good. Very good. Well, thanks. How about you? Well, all right. I'm going to summarize some things because there's, I think, in the last two weeks since we talked last, there's been a lot of kind of similar things. I, I, I for a while, I was still seeing a lot of the, the, the red translucent light stuff I was seeing that we talked about uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and let's see. Um, I think, let's see this. Well, let me go through a bunch of things like that, that kind of that, that take place over the last two weeks. Um, like, so the Saturday after we talked last time, uh, the 17th, I saw this red liquid filling my eyes and everywhere I looked, um, you know, the red light went on it. And I just heard uh, Hebrews 4.16, therefore let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. And I know I think I had heard, I shared that I thought the red light had to do with the timing of the now moment. And I was getting the stuff for the now. And I just heard Hebrews 4.16. Now, a lot of the verses I've been getting, um, if anybody's been keeping track and writing them down, there's a lot of fours and 16s and almost all the numbers I've been getting. It just, just happens for a while. <laughs> so anyway, I just heard, I was like, oh yeah, I think that's what I'm seeing. The red light has to do with, um, you know, a grace and mercy for, for, for the, you know, the time, the moment. Um, and then I think on the Tuesday after that, this is a red light thing. Uh, I heard Nehemiah three, which I think has to do with everybody kind of fixing the gate or, or the, the wall in front of them. Um, but I was back in the translucent column of light. It was going through me as I breathe and out of my eyes like it was before. And it would rest on some things. And as my eyes would skip over other things. So like as I looked around the room I was in, light would rest on some things. But in other things I would look by or even on the red light would rest on. And I was like, oh, these are the things that, that, that you know, whatever. There's grace and mercy from God to deal with now and other things that are important for now. But that's the sense I had. Um, and then let's see. Um, Thursday after that, I saw the red light again. Um, who I breathed it in and it floated out of my eyes. And also I saw an angel in front of me with a, with a quill in its hand and it handed me the quill and the red light that I was breathing from the translucent column that was over me that was going out of my eyes, hit the tip of the top of the feather of the quill and then went down the stem and then it flowed out its ink out of the pen in my hand. Oh, oh. Uh, there was like red ink flowing out of this pen that was, you know, that I was breathing in, going out of my eyes, down to the tip of the pen. Um, and then, let's see, last Friday, um, the ink in the pen was in my hand again, or the pen was in the hand, and the ink was, you know, I was breathing it in, flowing out of my eyes, and down the pen, and I was writing words on my body, like on my arms in particular, like loved and hopeful and friend, and all these words God was telling me to write. Um, it was... Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I saw some other things in the midst of the last two weeks, but th that's probably like, you know, like five or six things over 14 days where it kept and come back to the red light. And then there'd be other things I saw. I was seeing rainbows and, and uh, other things. Um, wow. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and then like, I think yesterday I saw um, a translucent red sword hanging in the ceiling, pointing down. Um 
and I'm not sure. I, I, that might I don't know. It felt like might have been like the like the consolidation of all the red light I was seeing, and it was being put into something I could hold in my hand and use regularly. So, um, so and, I, and then today I didn't see it, and I don't think I'll. I might see it again, but I think that was the culmination. The the the, the writing and the words, and it turning into a sword. I think that was the culmination of the kind of the intermittent red light I was getting. Um, because today I saw something that I can only describe as a cross between an elephant and a blue whale. Uh, <laughs> it was enormous. It was an, it was like an elephant the size of a blue whale, but it had like almost blue whale kind of rubbery skin, like wet skin, more like a hippopotamus. So I don't know, an elephant or hippopotamus the size of a blue whale. It was enor It was enormous, and it just just brought me to like I think the thing that rung in me was in Jober talks about the behemoth. Um, that it eats grass like an ox and it's among the reeds. It was like coming and growing from the water. It was very, very, very large. Um, and it, it uh, I don't know, it's just, uh, it was enormous. And you just felt this like, I don't know. It wasn't a terror. It wasn't like a fear, but it was almost like, um, I don't know. It's like I couldn't reach out and touch it because it was, it was too, it was too big and, and too, too overwhelming. Um, mm. I was listening the other night. What was it? Oh, oh, um, it was all these whatever anniversary specials they do on the Princess Bride. You know, mm -hmm. like it, <laughs> like it came out. It, it kind of flopped, and since no one saw it, then it came out in VHS, and everybody saw oh. it. You know, and they they do reviewing episodes a lot because everybody who made the Princess Bride really liked making it. And one of the things they all talk about because he died. You know, not not that like ten years after the movie was made or whatever, or less than ten years, is when they first met Andre the Giant. Um, mm -hmm. What's her name? Robin Robin Wright, who 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 yes. you know played Princess Buttercup. Yeah. Uh, she tells a story of when she first saw him. She, she turned around and ran out of the room. And it wasn't that she you know she she didn't like him. And she, she was just so overwhelmed by somebody that large. Yeah. Because he was you know seven foot ten and he weighed like five hundred eighty pounds. You know, yeah. it was just just enormous. And and all the other actors talk about the first time they met him. They're just like Manny Patankin says, you know, like the because uh, Fezzik and um, Digo, you know, in the movie, they're they're you know they they're they're kind of partnered the whole way. And he said he was shaking because he'd never been close to someone that large, like ever. And he's like, I I got to be. You know, we have to become good friends as actors so we can we can play this kind of buddy role in the movie. And he he says for you know like when we first met him, he was shaking. Because be that close to somebody, somebody that large was just, it was just, <laughs> yeah. it was terrifying. He was imposing. Not, no, like, yeah, yeah, not that you have a gun and I'm afraid of you, but you're just so large, I, I can't process it. I'm over, overwhelmed. Um, but that's the sense I had when I saw this, whatever, this blue whale slash hippo. It was like an elephant that, I don't know, it was enormous, enormous legs. It was in coming and going from the water um, like a hippo does, but it was much, much, much larger. Um you know, and I, I know it's about, I think of the Leviathan when it says it in Joe, but who can reach out and touch the Leviathan? You know, you, you would, you would tremble if you tried kind of thing. It was, you just could feel yeah. how large this was. Um, so I know when people talk about Joe, they might say, Hey, the behemoth was a hippo. Um, but that's not the sense I got when I saw this. <laughs> this was just very, very large. Um, so, yeah. Mm. So that, I wish you I know, could... summary of the last two weeks. Wow. That, that that's that's a good two weeks um do you ever do you paint do you ever do anything like that dabble in i i draw see? i draw i'll I'll draw characters to things i see um but often i'll draw to see um i don't do this as part of too many exercise but um often i'll get stuck i won't i have just so many things to do i don't I won't know what to do next 
um, and I'll sit and say, well, God, you know, give me a picture of what to do and I'll draw something and it'll be, I don't know, abstract <laughs> or, or, or it'll be, you know, whatever, it'll be something. And then I'll like, but once I know it's about, I can go work on that. Um, you know, it, that's a it, good it, approach. Yeah. I, 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 it's, it's one born out of utter <laughs> frustration. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, I, I, you know, like it's, it's not like I'm stressed or I'm tired um, or I'm unmotivated. I just feel utterly unfocused and, and mm-hmm. not motivated for anything in particular, you know. And so there's things I do on a daily basis, you know, like the two minute exercise. Um, but like, it's like, oh, should I work on this or this or this? Even at work, there's like a bunch of different things that people need. And I, you know, they're, they're, each of them are too large to actually switch back and forth. I need to pick one and I don't know how to pick. I'll just, you know, I'll just sit and say, well, give me a picture and I'll draw it and then I'll be able to act on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I've drawn some it's of these things cool. too, but then the two minute exercise comes, you know, I'll sit down with a pen and I'll draw it, but it'll be more about what I'm drawing than doing the two minute exercise. Um, and the thing is, having seen that, I, I probably might think about it for 10 years, but I'll be in front of someone and also it'll come back to me. And just the, you know, the feeling I had and, and almost the impartation of awe that I got when I saw it will come back to me then too. And it'll be like, like I just saw it, you know, so wow. I'm not too worried, not too worried about those things. I'm more, much more concerned about re- drawing something that I'm going to spend the day working on. Like, give me a picture of something I can do and I'll, you know, I'll see something like, oh, this relates to this project. I'm much more concerned with drawing that because I keep it in front of me. Um, but I'm not really worried about drawing things that I won't, if, if God brings them back to mind, they'll come back as clear as day, like the eat that behemoth. Cause I, I know like when, when I need to remember it, it'll, it'll be just like, I just saw it. That's um, great. Yeah. And that's one yeah. of the reasons that the whole idea of spending, you're spending time and eternity with God um, because I think our connection to those isn't, oh, it was, I saw it back in April. No, it's when I, when I remember it, it's like, I saw it in eternity. It's, it's, it's like happening in the very moment I'm remembering it. Wow. That's cool. Plus, if I start trying to draw all these things, that's all I'll do. I actually won't get anything done. <laughs> okay. And it's not like I'm doing work hard. I'm doing, you know, stick figures with, with colored marker, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Busy, busy weeks. Busy couple of weeks. Yeah. I do apologize. That's okay. Anybody listening will be like, no time has passed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so I was saying doing the two minute exercise, the the whole two minutes and eternity, the whole idea is, you know, to spend just two minutes, you know, because you can do that every day. And, and if you have to spend more than two minutes, you'll think, you, you know, you have to do something where in two minutes you just sit before God and, you know, and he'll show you something or bring something to mind. And it has to be him because, you know, two minutes isn't enough time for us to, you know, invent God and, you know, and make up what he would tell us. Right. Um, and, and so I normally use like, like background music. Um, but I know a lot of meditation, even like classic Christian mystic meditation, like uh, Lecto Divino, it's a bit like, which is, it just means breathing scripture. It's a Benedictine kind of meditative art of reading scripture while you breathe it. A lot of modern meditation and mindfulness is based on breathing. A lot of kind of historic stuff. If you read some of David's stuff, it talks about, you know, breathe and breath. Um, you know, and of course, breath is really important. You go all the way back to, you know, Genesis, you know, where God breathed, you know, breathed life into man, um, in, into humankind, you know, um, 
that uh, you know meditation and breathing often go hand in hand and mindfulness. And so it occurred to me, you know, if someone doesn't want to sit, you know, and, and you know, and use two minutes as as a guide for just spending time and turning to God, they, they could you could actually do it based on breath. Um, if you breathe in really, really slow over four seconds and breathe really, really out over four seconds, or you breathe in for two seconds, hold for two seconds, breathe out for two seconds and hold for two, it's about eight, eight, eight seconds. So that's about 15 breaths over two minutes. So, you know, I, for a couple of days over the last two weeks, I'd just sit and I would slowly breathe in and out and I, and I would just slowly on my fingers, just make note of that, you know, like it being like 15 times. Um, you know, and so I was still seeing the red light and the, you know, it still works. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I wasn't so much listening for the background noise to cut off to know it was two minutes. I, I just basically you know, took 15 really slow breaths in and out. Um, mm. you know, like I was breathing in and out the spirit or I was breathing in and out eternity as it came into me and, you know, God came into me and flowed into me, you know, and I connected me with him in eternity. Um, so if someone, you know, is used to breath-based meditation, you know, like, um, being aware of your breath, you know, and not to, the, the whole point of two minutes isn't to be aware of the time to make sure it takes at least two minutes or not that it takes less than two minutes or none of that. It's just that it's a, it's a short time time where there's enough time to just kind of sit and just say, God, whatever you have for me. And in a moment where he just opens up eternity, you know, um, but you can do it breath-based as well. Um, there's even an app, I think it's called, um, oh, what is it? Uh, let me go find it. It's called Pace Breathing. It's, it's an app I think you can download on, on Google or iPhone, Android well, or I'm iPhone. Like Pace Breathing, where um, I think default is, the default time for it is two minutes. And it'll mm -hmm. just slowly kind of like, let you know when to breathe in and when to breathe out, you know, and you could just do that and follow that. If, if you pay attention to your breath and, and asking God to kind of connect you with eternity and basically for his Holy Spirit to fill you and connect you with eternity, that works really well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all sorts of modern research, mindfulness and, and historic meditation, whether it's Christian or Hebrew or, you know, uh, you know, you go to Tantra or, or monastic or uh, Shinto or any movement where there's meditation and peace. Um, because, you know, God has supported our spirit in all flesh. You know, there's often you see this, this, this idea of being aware of the breath as you're meditating. Um, and since very, he is the breath of, yeah. Very interesting that you brought that up because um, I have come to realize that when I get nervous or I'm distracted, whatever, I don't breathe. I breathe shallowly um, or I'll stop breathing. And then I'm like, oh, breathe. <laughs> so um, I didn't write it down, but I think this week, because when you said that, I was like, I think I did that. Because I, I, you know, I've been trying to, to do just that, you know, breathe in and breathe through, you know, the nose, breathe in and then, you know, exhale. Um, and just because, you know, if, if there's certain thoughts in my head that I don't want in my head, kind of do that at a, a faster clip and kind of, you know, reset. Um, but it's so funny that you brought that up. I'm glad you did um, because I, I think that's valuable. Um, and, and that was on my mind this week. Right. What so if I you don't want to think, think of it as two minutes in eternity, like time-based, uh, you can just think of it as like 15 breaths in eternity. Um, <laughs> and it's really like in one breath, you also get everything, you know, and then the rest of breaths, you'll process it, you know. So there'd be the breaths where you're kind of, you know, inviting God in and, and, you know, connecting with him in eternity. And then in one breath, all of a sudden, boom, you, know, you get all this revelation. Yeah. And then the rest I of hope, the breath, you're just, you're processing it. Yeah. Yeah. I hope there are people out there that will try that and get back to us on, on their time with that. 
Yes, that'd be great. We'd like to hear how it's going. So I just thought I threw that out because, you know, um, for a lot of people, when they first, they're going to spend time with God and meditate on God and, and, and invite his spirit in, um, being aware of breath is a great way to meditate because it is the interface we see in Genesis between the spirit and the body um, is the dust, you know, gets, God forms us out of dirt, or at least men anyway, women are refined out of, you know, <laughs> yes. but humankind is formed out of mud. Um, but then life is breathed in. So your interface between, you know, the, the flesh and life is the breath. Um, and it's even a saying, I think an uh, Eastern philosophy, which a lot of people weary of, but yet there's a lot of truth in over thousands of years of these living cultures that God has breathed into, uh, you know, um, it's that the, uh, the breath is the interface between the body and the soul. Mm. Um, so yeah, so if people are used to breath-based meditation, just you have know, 15 slow breaths in eternity. You can do the exercise that way. That's great. That's a good one, Jim. Yes. Well, I can imagine it's like, hey, you know, I keep on listening to this podcast and they just keep on talking about spending time in eternity. Um, it's, you know, on one hand, I think, you know, my heart is that we would model essentially what it's like to have a safe accountability group talking about it by doing it on the podcast. And yet for everybody else, it can be even safer because they don't need to record it. <laughs> right. <distribute> it. <laughs> uh, it could be just two or three or four or five people, you know, um, you know, where, they, where they're known to each other and yet kind of stay safe and hidden from the rest of the world. Um, a la the AA model or just, you know, a safe home group model, you know, where kind of what stays in the group, you know, what's said in the group kind of stays in the group relationally. Um, you know, that, you know, it's like, well, how do I do that? Well, I don't know. Mara and I talk about how it's, how it's gone for last week or two, you know, and then we talk about it. Um, so, you know, modeling, spending time in turning different ways or just, just what it's like to be, you know, accountable and safe relatively, you know, minus the fact that it's a podcast. People are thing. Um, this is just a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a conversation. Yeah. That, uh, Oh, so well, yeah. So we talked about two minutes of eternity. Uh, so was there? I don't remember. You know, so if there, hopefully, if there was a lingering question about this exercise, we'll we'll flush it out and talk about it at some point. Um, sure. Now, if you have, go ahead. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't see. I don't want to get ahead of anything. So we did talk about that. And what about dream once, interpret twice? That's what I was going to segue to. So you did a great job. No way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you sent a dream. I don't know if I replied to it. You did not, uh, but I think you sent a dream that I replied to. Oh, that I sounds think. right. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. So I um I well let me talk about this. So I had this dream. Um in this dream I was talking to this woman named Norma. Uh and I'll say her name because she was in the dream. It, because I think it's metaphoric, so you know I'm not disclosing, you know, about Norma, other than the fact that Norma really is the wife of a pastor of a church that our, my Mims and I are, you know, um, went to when we were living in New Jersey, um, that we helped start. Um, and in the dream, she told me her and Phil, the pastor, were separated, but they still worked at the same place. And she made this weird face in the cabin, kind of how, how absurd that was. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I think, oh, yeah, so, so I sent that to Mara. Uh, and now, <laughs> um, what did you, let, me, let me read what you sent back, because then I'll share what I thought about it. Um, Uh-oh, yep. 
you, you, you have a firsthand account of the division within the body of Christ that there may be attitudes regarding this divide that can't, they can't work together. This is the chance to pray for the specific issues. So there could be unity even among personal struggles and issues. Right. So yes, Pash's wife often really represents the church. So this is, you know, something going on in the body of Christ, you know? So that was my sense too, that um, not, I don't even know what the specific church. I think this has, you know, my sense when I read this was, Oh, this is about, um, I don't know if it's a bad division, but there, there's, it's almost like the body of Christ, which I think the, the church, the church itself, the people in the church, I think represented by the pastor's wife and, and whatever. You, you, if, if you take, I don't know, if you're around Christians who interpret dreams, you know, pa pastor's wife often represent the church. Um, I think this is about how the, the church and the leadership in the church are going in two different directions. Mm -hmm. uh, not specifically about this church in New Jersey. I think it's about the ch right. church in the Western world. It's going into the body and the, and the, and the leadership are going in two different directions. Um, you know, and they're sort of in the same place, but, but they're separated, you know, they're, they don't know how to work together. And that's, I think that's yeah. the state of the state of the church right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you are to pray. Well, see, and that's the thing. <laughs> Cause I interpret things all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard for me not to treat the best way to interpret. I found to interpret your own dreams is treat it like it's somebody else's. Cause when you treat, treat it like it's your own, you're like, Oh, you know, it's just, it's going to impact me. I'm going to care about it. So if you pretend somebody else's dream, it's a lot easier to interpret it. So it's like, Oh, I know what it means. And when I read Mara's thing, it's like, Oh, I bet you I am supposed to pray about this. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, Oh, there's a call. There's a call to prayer here. Cause I wouldn't, you know, if I knew, um, if I knew that there was, you know, uh, um, well, if I knew that, you know, if, if I knew people who were supposed to be together were, were living separate lives right next to each other, I, I would yeah. want to get involved in, 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 and fix that. Yeah. Um, saying it reminded me of the bathtub <laughs> dream a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, the bathtub dream where it was kind of like, it kind of reminded me, there's been a lot of dreams like that with, with the state of the church and you know, to me in this, it was like, yeah, the divide, despite um, any kind of problems going on, God wanted unity. It, it was, yeah. The, yeah. Just. Yeah. And so the interesting, because I'll say this, <laughs> I, mm -hmm. I, I do think I had some pretty clear understanding, but, but we, yeah, when I read Mars interpretation, like, oh yeah, crap, there, there, there's, a, there's a call to pray here, you know, for me to. Oh probably. yeah, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, there, there's there's a pull on me to, to act in, in response to this, you know. Um, you know, it's like, oh, and this is, you know, um, you know, so that, that I, I was, I just, oh, I interpret it and move on. But you're like, oh, I probably need to respond to this. It's interesting because it's, this is the thing. It, I didn't have a sense that one of them had cheated on the other or the other one was, one was in for, for, unforgiveness and, the, you know, they're, you know, like one of them was at fault. Um, it was almost like, like they came to the end of what they knew to do and didn't know how to move forward. Exactly. So Jim, you are so good at dealing with these kind of issues personally, you know, with, with individuals in the church and, you know, going to churches, seeing like the overall state, it's kind of like the state of the, the, the church. And so I, I just felt like, yeah, that you're, you're the perfect person to get this dream and then be able to speak into it, whether you do it just with God for now or 
when it comes to the time where you're going to be now, meeting with. I'll say this here because I'll probably say it to pastors in person. Um, I don't think anybody knows what's going on right now with the body of Christ. Um, so the leaders don't know how to lead it and the church doesn't know how to walk into it. And I think the advice that I will be giving, you know, or, or you know, maybe I've touched on with some people I will continue to give is that as much as possible, if existing churches that are interested in, you know, like, oh, we know it's changing, but we don't know how to do it. Tell us what to do and we'll do it. I think you need to become a friendly place for something new to happen. You know, um, if you see there's home churches going on and you think it would be good for them to come and worship, you should invite them to come and worship, but with no obligation to come each week or to actually leave their home church and be part of your fellowship, you know, tell them meaningly, like mean it, like, Hey, come and go and tell us what's going on. Um, and don't feel obligated to come each Sunday, you know, just, just come when you want and don't feel like I'm going to pull you into like, Oh, this is a real church. Cause we meet in a building every Sunday. And you just meet in a home. You, you can come cause I really want to assimilate you. So I'll be nice to you. It's like, no, 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 come and go and tell us how it's going because maybe that's where the church is moving back into more home churches and, and so then business incubators do this they, they they make it a safe place for people to try new things because they don't know what'll work but they know they want to be a safe place to, you know a supportive place for things to try um and i, I don't i don't know what the church is gonna look like and i think that's the message is hey be, you know if i would say this to husbands if you don't know what's going on with your wife you know you don't think you're in the same place and it's not really about you and it's maybe not even about the two of you it's really about um, so there's something going on, you don't know where it's going, you need room to figure out what's going on. You know, uh, maybe watch your wife and see what's going on to, to figure out like how you can support that, you know. Um, you know, because maybe she needs some room to figure out who she is, or maybe she's gone through a life transition, she needs to figure out what does it mean now that I'm starting to have kids, or what does it mean now that I'm done having kids, or what does it mean now that I've changed my job, or a different place, or, you know, um, it's, it's often, sometimes it's not about you at all. It's just about, you know, giving enough room to see what's going on um, so that you can be supportive, you know, and you can't figure it out necessarily force to figure out what's going on because they don't know. You just kind of give them enough room and enough support to, you know, to figure it out. Um, and it's, that's really hard for people who, who've always had a plan, you know, or always been in lop sync, have always done things together, or always known exactly what they're doing, or always had very, very clear defined split roles. Like you do this and I do this, and this is where we're going together, and this is what the future is going to be, and this is how we're planning for retirement. Once you don't know, or one of you don't know, um, you really can't move forward in sync. So you, you'd need to give enough space to discover what's happening. Um, and, and that's what I would say to these pastors of churches is, is you know, yeah, yeah, you're the pastor. Um, and also, the, you know, maybe the sheep aren't eating the grass. You might have to just give them enough room to find out what they're eating instead. You know, not poison. You know, if they're getting stuck in the mud, get them out. If they're eating poison, get them to stop it. But if they're switching from eating clover to, to leaves off bushes, you know, or a different type of grass or a different meadow, you, you should just keep them safe and, and, and let them, if they're safe and they're eating, then you should let that happen. Um, and I, I really think that's what the streams, you know, it's like, hey, they're in a different place and they're, they're not seeking to be divorced, but they're, they're separated and they're set working in the same place and they don't, they're not doing the same thing. Um, and that's awkward and it's hard. Um, you know, so it might take some time and grace to, you know, give room to see what's going on. So, yeah, so that, that's probably what I, I think, you know, I think I'll see more and more of that coming out. Um, and I've been invited to some round table that I'll probably be saying that to people. Mm. Cool. So yeah, good. All right. For that. So I had the dream. I interpreted it. 
I sent it to Mara so she interpreted it the second time. Yeah. Um, though I don't know if I got more inter- understanding from you. I, I I got the understanding of oh shoot I'm supposed to act on this. <laughs> uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> so all right. Then you sent me a dream. I think I, that I did. didn't respond. Um, you didn't. So I have it. I have the dream the and my interpretation. Chair? Yep. All right. So let me read it. Sure. And then I'll give you my understanding of it. And then you can share what you originally thought and, and how maybe the two the two interpretations together give you deeper understanding. <laughs> okay. Right. Go for it. Or, or make you more firm that, oh, no, that's definitely wrong. I, I know I'm definitely right. <laughs> I didn't know how right I was until I saw your interpretation. Um, ah, yay. Confirmation. <laughs> uh, I was where I work, and my husband didn't want an old rocking chair. So I was trying to determine if I had space where I could store it there. A very young deer was outside and people wanted to see it. As they approached the deer, it being startled and running away. I told them to start doing that. I knew that I could approach it in a way that didn't scare it. I got down on the sidewalk and laid down completely. The deer immediately came towards me and reaching its hoof to my outstretched hand. I told people the method, the method was low and slow. Um, so I think there's a few things going on here. It's really interesting because old rocking chairs, unless they don't work and completely broken, which is not the sense I had here, this is an old rocking chair that worked. You know, they're like heirlooms. You know, they're places of peace that people send in and rock and value. Um, and I think it's really interesting because I think this is a little about the things around that are valuable, that are worth keeping, and new things coming and how to let them come. Um, and so I think the rocking chair was, was you know, it's like a, I don't say tradition, but like it, it's, it's a way of, oper- you know, it's a way of doing things that, that's, that's been going on for a long time, that, that there's peace and safety in it and, and there's heritage to it. Um, and so I think this is about treasuring them and not letting them throw it away, storing it for when it's right to bring it out again. And I think the deer, right, this is, this is something new, a young deer. And, and the way to let it come is to, you know, to be humble right, to be low and to go slow, to be gentle and humble. And I think this is how let new things coming. I think on one hand, um, this is very similar to my dream where it's about like leadership and the body. The, 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 the church is trying to figure out what's going on. So they're trying to get rid of old things they don't value any longer, which still have value. And they don't know how to let the new yeah. things come. I think it's on that level. I also think the little bit about your workplace and I don't think your husband here is a, your husband. I think it represents, you know, like the, the, maybe the, the more of the, you know, the bosses and leaders in your workplace, um, that there's some things of value, historic value there that, that you might need to, to treasure because they might get lost if you don't. Mm-hmm. They might be a way of operation. Um, but it also says that you're also in a place to let the new things come gently and slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know traditionally leaders like to hey, when it's time to make a change, you make boom, make a change. You get rid of the old things, you bring in the new, you do them right away. You know, you know, that's that's what you know strong deciphers leaders do. And yet, and yet, um, when you have things of heritage and of value, you don't want to get rid of them too quickly. Um, because Jesus said to the scribes, you know, those those of you who are scribes and listen to me, you'll bring out of your your storehouse both old treasures. And this is about the old treasures and the new. It's about not throwing away old treasures that have value and function and peace and heritage to them. And yet it's about you know, gently and slowly and humbly letting the new things come up by scaring it away or trying to seize hold of it, you know, you know, or killing it. You know. <laughs> no. I, I think, 
I, I think this has to do with the church. I also think this has potentially has to do a little bit about your workplace. Okay. Um, That's good. Well, I, I saw it a little bit differently, but I, I really like how you pulled out the, the old rocking chair being, you know, something valued and then something young and new kind of thing. I, I didn't, I didn't see that. Um, or I didn't capture that. Um, but what I wrote, was something from my past that I am trying to determine if I have space for. And then I put in parentheses, old, comfortable, comforting. Um, your dream speaks about the way you approach those who may be skittish by keeping a posture of humility. You are able to touch those who are in need of it by not overwhelming them. You are concerned how others scare them off. This is something they can learn from. I, you know, when I had this dream, this is, I know how I approach people and those outside the faith, way outside the faith, or, you know, we, we have a lot of friends that are very, um, I don't know, alternative, I guess is the, the thing. And, and I love, I mean, I, obviously I love them. Um, and that's always been, you know, my heart is to protect them and to, to really um, not scare them off, but just kind of, you know, yeah. Let them. Yeah. So I saw that. It's, it's hard. But... Yeah. There is a, I don't want to say it. It's like, I think, yeah, these young deers probably are. They're, they're probably often related to people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I, I'm obsessed, compelled, I, I guess, uh, um, you know, just with the sheep and the goats parable that Jesus told um, that the, um, the sheep didn't know they were ministering to Jesus. Then he knew, they didn't even know that they knew him. And yet they knew him because they, you know, they, they were drawn to him and, 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 you know, you know, gave him water when he was thirsty and visited him when he was in prison and fed him when he was hungry. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, knew innocent, you know, naive, maybe clueless theologically, you know, that God is drawing it to him, um, that we need to be humble, like, you know, about like what they need to know and what they need to do. To encourage them. Yeah. 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 When people were coming to, to the Lord, um, the Gentiles were coming to the Lord that, you know, the, the church in Israel got together and it's like, uh, you know, this is God. We're, we're really, we're really, really cautious to put any burden on them other than, you know, don't be sexually immoral, you know, and, and don't eat food sacrificed idols. Which I think they were particularly because everybody, everybody who wasn't Jewish or Christian worshiped idols. It was like, you know, don't slide back into what you're coming from. Um, you know, and it was a really humble and gentle approach to do believers. It didn't have their heritage of coming out of the, you know, the Jewish and I think today, when you you know, there are people you meet in the earth today that are moved by the Holy Spirit that know Jesus because He's appeared to them in some way, and they're responding. But they don't connect Him; they don't understand who He is theologically or even biblically, right? Um, and yet, if we assume that they're you know they're not following Jesus and they don't know Him and they're not responding to the Holy Spirit, and we try to just kind of gut them and give them our theology, you know, that's not low and slow. You know, that's very arrogant and very heavy-handed. Yeah. Um, you know, if the Holy Spirit's drawing, if the Holy Spirit is poured out in all flesh, which acts as he has, and he's drawing all men to him, which he says he is, you know, those who respond to him, we should be gentle and humble with, you know, um, maybe they don't need to understand that, you know, the first council in Antioch and, and uh, you know, the, the, the fallacies of the Catholic Church and, and you know, <laughs> right. the problem with, the problem with postmodern, you know, uh, <laughs> right. you know it, I mean that you're wrong. It's that, you know, um, 
giving someone theology who's responding to, to tender move of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's, it may scare them off. You know, they may, they, they, you may scare the deer off and they may never come back. Um, so I, I, point. I, I can definitely see that. So, um, yeah. You know, you, you know, when you're in the company of someone that loves Jesus, I know that when you were a little boy, you said that there was an older woman who just, you just felt loved or you you felt you know everything because of her relationship with jesus and i know that there's people that you know are full of the holy spirit they love jesus and they're not hitting you over the head it's just who they are they're oozing um and they love you um and it's like that is so attractive it's like a magnet and that's the holy spirit and so um i do i do like that that you know to be salt to be light um he's going to be he's going to be seen because of because of love over the fact of agendas or you know um you know what's on the the curriculum or anything like that so i think that's really really important yeah yeah anyway thanks for and if you're following at home, the reality is if you have a dream and interpret it and you don't get someone else to interpret it, have this conversation, you don't get the depth out of it than if you just have the dream, you know, and kind of interpret it and don't, don't talk about it. Um, you know, cause there's, there's things that like are hard to see. Um, and, and, the, and there's depth that comes out in the conversation, you know, from having two interpretations and talking about it that you wouldn't get from one interpretation. Yeah. I concur. (laughs) Well, what you got planned this weekend? Anything good? Um, let's see. I don't know what's going on this weekend. I think next weekend, the weekend after, I think my wife and I are planning a camping trip to the beach potentially. So that'll be fun. (gasps) Really? Well, it's going to be May. Oh my goodness, this is awesome. I hope you have a wonderful time. I love camping. You glamping? No glamping. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you mean in, in my uh, 10 foot tall uh, canvas tent? Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that. Well, yeah, we'll be car camping, glamping a little bit. Um, That's yeah. lovely. Oh, my goodness. All right. Cool. I know I'm, I'm so ready to get away, do something, but we don't have any plans yet. So They'll come. Well, cool. All right. Well, is there, all right. Well, so there may be some questions that come up before next time. Um, and I don't hmm. know. Do you have a topic of discussion for next time, Mar, or the time after that? Oh, my goodness. I, oh, I never think of them at the time. I should write them down. I think you're not talking, you're talking about regarding the two minutes, correct? Or whatever. I mean, in, in the realm of dreams, you know, dreaming once, interpreting twice, uh, you know, spending time in eternity or or the whole idea of being in a, mm. you know, kind of a, a safe, you know, kind of hidden group or anonymous, you know, type meeting. Well, we can rustle some up, but let it be that if anyone's listening to this and they have a question, they can feel free to write or post it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the trailer at the end, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the link. There's Open a link invitation. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. go to Anchor, where, where the podcast is, there's a link to record a question 
And if you go to growingeternity.org, uh, there, there's a give you the email to actually ask a questions. Yeah, I'll try to think something and ask around, but yeah, that'd be good if we had outside people. All right. Well, until next time, Mara, it's been great talking to you. Good to talk to you too, Jim. We'll see you next time. Yep. Bye. Bye. This has been the Growing Eternity podcast with Mara and Jim. For more information, including how to record and submit questions, or coming on the podcast to talk about your own journey with Two Minutes in Eternity, Dreaming Once, Interpreting Twice, and Growing Eternity Anonymously, go to growingeternity.org. This is my spiritual disclaimer. I have a personal relationship with Jesus, whom through faith I know to be God's Son. Through him I know God the Father, who has poured out God the Spirit on all flesh. I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, is both factually and symbolically true, although some passages at different times have a greater emphasis on either facts or symbols. I believe that our translations, interpretations, and applications of Scripture are imperfect, but, through, but that through the Spirit we are led into all truth. You do not need to have the same understanding or faith as I do to benefit from or participate in this podcast or the practices discussed. If you are seeking a higher and better power of some sort, we will have some common ground. Please feel free to adapt these podcasts to your own personal journey and perspective. Although I believe God offends the mind to reveal the heart, it is not my personal intention to cause offense to any specific person or group, rather that all people might be offended by the truth, comforted by the Spirit, and transformed as a result. I believe in prayer, but in general I'm trying to avoid enabling a consumer spirituality whereby people would listen to prayer and feel that they themselves acted spiritually. It is the purpose of this podcast to inspire you to daily spend two minutes in eternity with God, dream, interpret your own dreams and the dreams of others, to gather in safe, anonymous, and accountable spiritual communities. To that end, I pray that God the Father would pour out a spirit of grace and mercy on you, that he would manifest righteousness and justice in your lives, and that he would open your senses to observe him so that you might know him forever. I pray specifically that there would be grace to spend time with him and mercy where we fall short. I pray this by the blood and in the name and through relationship with Jesus.